Good morning. How are you? Great. Right on. Why don't we open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, that's our text. We're going to look at verses 12 through 16 this morning. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the gospel of Luke chapter by chapter and verse by verse. So sometimes I I like to remind us of that so that you don't just show up, you know, for the first time and wonder maybe we have an obsession with leprosy or something, you know. (laughs) Talk about the leprous man this morning. And just a few verses because it's a story of itself, in itself, as I hope you'll see. And uh, we're kind of taking the gospel of Luke thematically in the sense of how it's coming to us. So we're in chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Why don't we read the text, and then we'll know where we're headed. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus... And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Let's us pray together. Father, we do pause for prayer another time, Lord, to show our respect and reverence for your word and to implore you, Lord, to send your Holy Spirit here in our auditorium that our hearts might be tuned, Lord, to your voice, that we would hear the things that you want us to hear this morning, that we would, those of us who are Christians, become more Christ-like, and those who aren't would meet Jesus for the first time. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. These are familiar words. You've used them many times, modifying the particular request at the end to suit your own situation. You say, Lord, if you are willing, you can, and then you fill in the blank with whatever you'd like Jesus to do for you or for someone that you love. The leper was immediately cleansed from his leprosy. We do not always immediately receive the answer to our requests. The diseases and dilemmas and difficulties we ask the Lord to remove often remain. The people we pray for to recover instead die. The cleansing of this leper gives us insight for those times when the fill in the blank we are praying for remains. We'll see that your healing is secondary to your testimony. Here's what I mean. Jesus gave the leper clear instructions to go to the priests as a testimony to them, he said. He instead gave his testimony of the miracle to everyone but the priests. If you read this account in the other Gospels, he immediately goes out and starts sharing with everyone but the priests what Jesus had done for him. As a result, Jesus' ministry was actually hindered, not helped. So many people were pressing on him that he had to withdraw to the wilderness to get away from them. 
I conclude from this story that your testimony has a higher priority than your request for healing. Here is what that means on a practical level. If healing you will produce a testimony that will minister to others, then Jesus is willing to heal you. If not healing you will produce a testimony that will minister to others, then Jesus is willing to not heal you. Let's take a closer look at our leprous friend. We'll organize our thoughts around two points. Number one, Jesus is willing to touch you in your infirmities. And number two, you must be willing to testify for Jesus in your infirmities. First of all, in verses 12 and 13, Jesus is willing to touch you in your infirmities. The disease which we today call leprosy primarily acts as an anesthetic, numbing the pain cells of hands and feet, your nose and ears and eyes. Its numbing quality is precisely the reason the destruction and decay of your tissue occurs. Without pain as a warning system, people have been known to do all kinds of crazy things. If you're like me, when you barbecue hamburgers, you just can't flip them, can you? I mean, every time I go to flip a hamburger, one of them falls between the grill. If I had leprosy and didn't know better, I might reach into the grill to get the hamburger. As it is, it's, you know, you try and save the thing, and you're thinking, well, nobody saw, so I can get it before it's got too much charcoal on it, you know? And I'll eat that one myself. Whoops, which one was that now? But anyway, you want to save that rare piece of meat, you know? And so, but if you had leprosy, you might reach into the fire and you wouldn't feel it because you, uh, your hand is numb. It's, an, it's anesthetized from the leprosy and it would burn nonetheless and it would be damaged nonetheless, but you wouldn't feel it. You might be running and you'd turn an ankle. This is sensitive to me because I broke my ankle here about 20 years ago when I first came to Hanford. Some of you remember that. The notorious softball game. And, uh, but, you know, if I had leprosy, I would have broken my ankle and gotten back up and still played the game. And I would have just been really messed up by now. I'd just go on walking. Or people have been known to wash their face with what turns out to be scalding hot water and over time not just burning their flesh but ruining their eyesight and blinding themselves. All because they are numb to the pain. This is what the disease does. Soon the skin in such spots loses its original color. It gets to be thick and glossy and scaly. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers due to the poor blood supply. I feel it's my duty to paint a picture of this for you. The skin, especially around the eyes and ears, begins to bunch with deep furrows between the swellings so that the face of the afflicted individual begins to resemble that of a lion uh, or maybe a Sharpay. How's that? Makes it... <laughs> Fingers drop off or are absorbed. Toes are affected similarly. Eyebrows and eyelashes drop out. By this time, you can see the person in this pitiable condition is a leper. By a touch of the finger, you can feel it. One can even smell it, for the leper emits a very unpleasant odor. Moreover, in view of the fact that the disease-producing agent also attacks the larynx, the leper's voice acquires a grating quality. His throat becomes hoarse, and you can now not only see and feel and smell the leper, but you can hear his rasping voice. And if you stay with him for any length of time, you can imagine a peculiar taste in your mouth, probably due to the odor. All right. 
breakfast burritos, remember, (laughs) right after second service. In Bible times, a person suspected of having the disease was taken to a priest for examination because, see, there wasn't a cure. It was a matter of examining him, determining if it was leprosy so that he would be put out of the community. If he showed signs of having more than a superficial skin problem, he was isolated for seven days. If the symptoms became worse, the person was isolated for seven more days. If at that time the rash had not spread further, he was pronounced clean. If, however, the rash had become worse, he was pronounced unclean. When leprosy was immediately evident from a person's hair turning white and his having raw, swollen flesh... He was pronounced unclean on the spot, and no isolation period was involved. His clothes were torn, his head uncovered, his mouth covered to prevent the spread of the disease, and he was to go around crying out, unclean, unclean, wherever he went to warn others to stay clear of him. Lepers were forbidden to live in any community with their fellow Israelites. They were the true outcasts of that society. Many Jewish teachers proudly adopted a practice of throwing stones at lepers if they saw them approaching. It should astound you, therefore, to read that a leper boldly approached Jesus. Verse 12, and it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." Full of leprosy was Dr. Luke's expert medical observation. You remember that Luke, the author of this gospel, was a trained physician. This was an advanced and serious case of leprosy. According to Jewish law, the leper should not have approached Jesus or anyone else, and Jesus should not have received him. Yet neither was violating the spirit of God's law, which is to seek the good of all at all times. God's laws and His commandments are never meant to be harsh and cruel. We need to embrace many times the spirit in which they were given and never ourselves become harsh and cruel. You know, sadly, a lot of Christians treat the unsaved as if they're people who should go around shouting unclean all the time. Uh, A a lot of times we don't like to work with or next to or go to school with or be in neighborhoods with the unsaved. We look at those unclean pagan heathens, and it's just, ew. I love that line in, in the New Testament where Paul the apostle says, such were some of you, and in reality, such were all of us before we came to know Jesus. And someone reached out to us. Someone touched us with the love of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be careful about our attitude towards the unsaved. The unsaved need Jesus Christ. They're, they're incapable of acting the way we would like them to act. The next time, if you're in this category, if you find yourself you know, being annoyed by the unsaved, you've got the answer. All you need to do is share Jesus with them, and, and they can come into the category of annoying Christians. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, the leper's words, Lord, if you are willing, could be taken one of two ways. They could indicate a humble submission to God's will for his life as if to say, Lord, if it is your will, cleanse me from my leprosy. Or they could be a challenge to the Lord's compassion as if to say, Lord, how could it be anything other than your will 
to cleanse me from my leprosy. I've heard that you can heal. Here I am. Now, we are often torn between these two thoughts. I don't know what the leper had in mind. We're not really told. It's like when you receive an email and, you know, you, you don't know exactly how somebody intended it. It sounds really mean and harsh, and then you call them, and they say, oh, no, that was the most loving thing I've ever said to you, you know. And so we, we don't know exactly what his heart was, but I know my own heart, and I'm torn between these two. On the one hand, I understand that I must submit to God's will in and for my life and the lives of others. But on the other hand, I have a difficult time accepting his will if he leaves people in their infirm condition when I know that he can heal. And so that's, that's really what we're taking a look at this morning. Jesus did something totally unheard of and unexpected. Verse 13, he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. You could not help a leper by touching him, but you could harm yourself. Jesus could have healed him from a distance with a word, but he touched him. It was and is a powerful picture of God's compassion. Think about Jesus for a minute in his compassion, seeing the leper come perhaps. I don't know if the man was shouting out unclean or not or if he snuck in. Kind of hard if you're a leper to sneak in. The smell, the sight, you know, the whole thing is kind of bad. Probably the crowd is parting around him. Might even be some stone throwing going on. But at any rate, if I'm Jesus, I see the guy coming and I go, be healed. Hey, at a distance, please, you know. Jesus waited for him to come. The text indicates he prostrated himself in front of Jesus, and then Jesus reached out and touched him. There's, it's, it, he had probably not been touched by another normal human being for many, many, many years. And um, it, it just, it, it's, it's a very beautiful picture of God reaching out and touching the human race. It was also one of those mind-blowing things that Jesus loved to do. You see, if you touched a leper, you would be considered unclean from a religious point of view until you went through a ritual of cleansing. didn't mean that you were a leper, but if you touched a leper, then you had to do all of this washing and all these different things before you could partake of the, uh, you know, the ceremonies in the temple and tabernacle. Jesus was not unclean, however, because... The moment he touched the leper, he wasn't a leper anymore. And, and this, I always love this about Jesus' healings, especially of the leper, because you know, the religious leaders are always ready to pounce on Jesus. Oh, you touched a leper. You violated God's law. And Jesus would say, where's the leper? What leper are you talking about? Uh, this guy was a leper a minute ago. I saw him. Uh, I don't, no leper here, you know. And so it's, it's just cute. I love that. I think Jesus had a great sense of humor and a, a marvelous sense of drama. This is a, a fantastically dramatic moment. What is Jesus going to do? Is he going to throw a rock at the leper? Is he gonna, what's he going to do with this leper? And he does what no one had ever done for him before. He reached out and touched him, and he healed him. Now, the leper, as I mentioned, pictures the entire human race as seen by God if you could see the human race from heaven's perspective. If you were in heaven, looking down upon men and women, their true spiritual condition would look like leprosy to you. Leprosy was called a walking death. The Bible says human beings are born, quote, dead in trespasses and sins. You and I are the walking dead before we come to know the Lord. 
Like leprosy, sin affects the whole person. It is ugly and loathsome and corrupting and contaminating and alienating and incurable by man. Jesus came. He took upon himself a human body in order to cleanse you from your sin. He takes upon himself your spiritual leprosy without becoming defiled, and he gives you in its place his spiritual health. Now, this brief but moving episode establishes that Jesus is more than willing to touch you in your infirmities. He came as God in human flesh to touch the entire human race. He does that by offering salvation to whosoever will believe in him. After you are saved, he can touch you anytime you find yourself in any infirmity or adversity because he is still full of compassion. So why do diseases and dilemmas and difficulties that we ask the Lord to remove often remain? Why do the people we pray for often die? Well, remember, the point and emphasis of this story is not really the healing, but it's the testimony that Jesus intended. So let's take a look at that. You must be willing to testify for Jesus in your infirmities. Jesus told the cleansed leper to give a very specific testimony of his infirmity. Verse 14, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. The Old Testament book of Leviticus described an elaborate ceremony by which a leper was declared cleansed. It involved taking two birds. One was put in a clay pot and killed over running water. The former leper was then sprinkled seven times with the blood and pronounced clean by the priest. The live bird was dipped in the blood of the slain bird, and then it was set free to fly. The cleansed person was then to wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and bathe himself. He could then rejoin society, although he had to remain outside his tent for seven days. The final act on the eighth day was to bring the required guilt offerings and to be anointed by the priest on various parts of his body, the ear, the thumb, and the toe. Aren't you glad you don't live in those days? Weird stuff. Uh, but we'll see that all of them are symbolic. They all prefigure the person and work of Jesus Christ. The birds, most likely doves, although we're not told, one represents the death of Jesus Christ, the other his resurrection. Birds don't belong in clay pots. They belong in the heavens above. Jesus belonged in heaven. He's from heaven. But he put himself into a clay pot, as it were, a jar of clay, an earthen vessel, a body of flesh, in order to be the sacrifice required for the cleansing of our sins. Scripture is clear on this. Jesus took a real physical human body so that he could die for the sins of the world. The running water pictures the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. Jesus offered himself, the Bible says in Hebrews, through the eternal spirit. Everything he did was in and through the Holy Spirit of God. The blood-stained bird turned loose would be Jesus rising from the dead in his resurrection and then ascending into heaven in victory over sin. The blood also had to be applied to the leper. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. How did a leper know he was clean? The priest declared him clean. He could not rejoin 
the society of people until the priest made a declaration that he was clean and then he was uh, welcomed. We are declared clean. The Bible says that when you get saved, you are declared righteous. You are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ because God says so and you're saved. Now, there's a lot of other symbolism, but you get the idea. Something much greater than the healing of a leper was happening in this episode. Jesus was fulfilling the Old Testament law in a way never seen before that would establish him as the promised and prophesied Messiah. This is great, except the cleansed leper failed to give his testimony to the priests. It says in verse 15, however, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. This is a sad however. Not only did the leper disregard Jesus, you cannot escape the fact that what he did had the effect of hindering Jesus from ministering to others. Instead of teaching freely in their synagogues, Jesus now had to begin to hide out in the wilderness because he was being hounded by multitudes of people who were seeking only to be healed. We've seen in previous studies that it was Jesus' habit to teach not only every Sabbath day in the synagogue, but also during the week openly and publicly. Now the word was getting out more and more that he could heal, and this is all people were interested in. You and I might cut this guy some slack because of the tremendous thing that had occurred. Of course he wanted to tell everyone, but in doing so, he limited the effect of his healing. Had the priests been challenged to perform the ritual, something probably they had never done and maybe hadn't been done in centuries, if ever, they would have been forced to give an official, confirmed, and recorded testimony that Jesus had healed this leper, fulfilling the law and proving himself to be the Messiah. And so your testimony is important, more important than the healing itself. Jesus was limited. It says in verse 16, he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. The language is stronger when you read the same account in the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1 verse 45 says, After Jesus charged him to tell no one, it says, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. And so you're you're the leper, you're cleansed and healed. Jesus looks you in your eyes and he says, don't tell anyone, go directly to the priest, don't pass go, don't collect $200, just get to the tavern, to the temple and present yourself to the priest as a cleansed leper, go through this ritual that's probably never been done, at least in their lifetime, because it is going to give a great and fantastic testimony of what God is doing. And the leper turned right around and he says, I've been healed, I've been healed. And everywhere he went, he just presented himself as a healed individual, never made it to the temple. Very sad. You know, these analogies are very important to God. Give you an example of probably the most famous botched metaphor in all the scriptures. Moses is responsible for it. Moses leading the children of Israel in the wilderness 
they are grumbling and complaining like they frequently do because they have no water. And so the Lord graciously is going to provide them with water. He says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I've got a great idea. I want you to go. You see that rock that's been following you around? Because <laughs> it says in the New Testament, a rock followed them around. So you see, you know, every time they can't say, I don't know, that seems like the same rock, but I don't know. He says, you see that rock that's been following you around? I want you to go out and strike that rock, smite it with your staff, and water will flow enough to uh, satisfy the thirst of millions of people and their livestock. And so Moses does it. Great. A little while later, grumbling, complaining, no water. God takes Moses and says, Moses, you see that rock that's still following you around? Okay, here's the plan. Go and speak to the rock. Read my lips, Moses. Speak to the rock and water will flow. And so Moses goes out, hadn't had any espresso that morning, really in a bad mood. Well, no water, no espresso, right? So he's in a bad mood. And so he takes his staff, and for the second time, he beats on that rock. And he chastises the children of Israel. Water flows because God is gracious. And once they're all, you know, watered, God takes Moses aside and he says... Man, I wish you hadn't done that because you cannot go into the promised land now. Whoa, wait a minute. One little mistake. Speak, smite. They, maybe they sound the same in Hebrew. I don't know, you know, but come on, Lord. And, and, and why? Because in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle will tell you that that rock that followed them around was Christ. It was a representation of Jesus Christ. And the picture God was trying to get to those people and to us You strike the rock, water will flow. After that, you only need to speak to the rock to receive the living water. When when Jesus was crucified, he was smitten that one time for the sins of the world so that all could be saved. And then afterwards, those that are saved receive his living water by speaking to him. He's never struck a second time. And Moses ruined that. He botched it. He really messed up that analogy. And that's what this leper is doing. He is never getting to the fullness of what Jesus intended, what God the Father intended for this to promote. Is it a great testimony that Jesus can heal the leper? Sure. Absolutely. Proving his healing power and things like that. Is it the best testimony? No, it wasn't because it would give the priests an opportunity to to debate and to think about how they were going to explain these healings, and, and there would never be anything on the public record about what Jesus had done. And, and so it, it was less than it could have been. The Lord's greatest purpose is to cleanse you from sin, not sickness. His physical healings were often intended to be illustrations of the deeper spiritual work In just a few verses in this same chapter, Jesus is going to be confronted by a paralyzed man. His friends are going to break open the roof of the building where Jesus is and lower this guy down on his bed. And Jesus is going to look at him, and the first thing he's going to say is, man, your sins are forgiven. Okay, great. And? And? I don't know that there is any and, except that Jesus perceived that the religious leaders there were thinking, well, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus 
knowing their heart, he says, oh, hey, guys, by the way, so you know that I am capable of doing the deepest, most profound work in the heart of man, forgiving sin and giving spiritual blessings, rise up and walk. And the guy got up and he took his bed and he went cruising through town. Now, here's what we learned from this. The leper was physically healed, then he was told to give a very specific testimony that would reveal a much deeper work that was going on. The paralytic was spiritually healed, then he was allowed to actually remain in his physical infirmity. Okay, it was just for a few minutes, but it didn't seem like that to him. Then he was physically healed. If you put all that together, you figure out that it's your testimony that matters. It's the deeper spiritual work that ministers to others. Let me say this with respect for any suffering you may be enduring right now. It is easy for Jesus to heal you of your infirmities or to help you out of your adversities. But if he does, it may or may not produce the testimony that he intends to minister to others. Let me put it another way. Do you want to help or to hinder the work of the Lord in reaching other people? We've seen that the cleansing of the leper had the effect of hindering the work of the Lord. I believe God heals. We believe in miracles. We're not part of a cessationist movement that says, gee, I don't see this happening, so maybe it doesn't exist anymore. God can still heal. God hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we are often, often confronted with the fact that He heals much less than we would like, certainly much less than He did in the New Testament when Jesus was on the earth. And, and it is a struggle. You might as well be honest. We struggle with this. Uh, every time I pray for somebody who's sick, I think, Lord, if you're willing... And I'm not sure if I mean if it's your will or why aren't you willing. And it's a difficulty for me. But the Scripture teaches us that there's something greater than the healing. And that is the deep work that God wants to do in and through our lives to minister to others. And, and once and for all, we need to determine that it is not always true that a healing brings people to Jesus Christ. It wasn't true when Jesus was on the earth. The Bible says Jesus did so many miracles, all the books that could be written about them couldn't fit in the world. Even with massive gigabyte hard drives, you'd still be in trouble. And what did they do to Jesus? They crucified him. They killed him. Lazarus was raised from the dead, and the religious leaders immediately got together and said, we have to kill him, and we have to kill Jesus. This is bad news for us. And so the, as much as I always think maybe that if somebody gets miraculously healed, raised from the dead, that millions would come to Jesus Christ, it's just not true. It's never been true. It, it never will be true. And so we're confronted with what does God intend. He always intends to do the greatest, best work in and through our lives. If you are not healed of your infirmities, if you are not helped out of your adversities, then it is God's desire to help you through them. He touches you spiritually. You receive His grace and His mercy. You can experience His peace. You bear the fruit of His Spirit. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places become yours to enjoy as you are called upon not to escape but to endure infirmity and adversity. I know I don't like to hear that. I know you don't like to hear that. 
but that's what God is doing. God heals. He helps. He is willing. He can do anything that you ask that is consistent with his nature and character, but you must be willing to testify for Jesus in your infirmities or in your adversities. It is often a greater testimony to others that you share the sufferings of Jesus than you simply have them removed. In the ceremony that recognizes the cleansing of a leper, I mentioned that on the eighth day certain things took place. The priest would actually take the blood of a lamb that had been sacrificed, and that's what he would smear on your right ear, your right thumb, and your right toe. And now I'm really sure that I'm glad I'm not an Israelite. And then he would coat each smear with an anointing of oil, and then he would pour the oil over your head, and it would run down your body. But again, a picture of your life with the Lord. He was the lamb slain for you on Calvary. His blood, not literally placed on your ear, but because of Jesus' blood, your ear is open to hear God. His blood, not literally placed on your thumb, but because of His blood, you can serve God. You can find purpose and meaning for your life. His blood is not literally placed on your toe, but because of it, you can walk with God all the days of your life. The oil is always a symbol of God, the Holy Spirit in Scripture. He is poured out into and onto your life as the power in which you hear and serve and walk with God. The Lord is willing and He can do whatever you ask. You must be willing to subordinate what you ask to His will, trusting Him to produce the testimony that will bring Him the most glory and reach the most people. Let's pray. Father, we often struggle with your goodness. And by that I mean, Lord, we, we wonder if what you're doing is good. How can it be good, Lord, when the disease lingers or turns into death? The dilemma, Lord, that you leave us in and all of that. And yet, Lord, that's just such a small perspective. You, you never leave us. You never forsake us. We're not left in any adversity. We're with you in it. And there is a sharing in the sufferings of Jesus Christ that brings glory to you, that reveals you in a powerful and strong way. And Lord, I admit, I would rather be healed. I would rather be helped. I would rather, I guess, remain a shallow, immature person and skate through life, uh, avoiding all of the pitfalls that would build my character. I'd rather have comfort, Lord, than character. And I admit that I, I don't see how the sufferings of my life and some of the people I know, I don't see how it affects others. But I trust you, Lord, that you see more than me and that you know what you're doing and that the effect I need to just leave with you. And so, Lord, we believe that you heal and we're going to continue to pray that you would heal and help in the obvious ways, Lord, by removing disease or getting people out of adverse situations. But when that doesn't occur immediately or at all, then we want to remind one another that your strength is sufficient in our weakness, that you have great grace for us, that we can receive mercy and grace at your throne that we can know your peace, Lord, 
and that it is not the absence of conflict around us, but it is the sincere understanding of walking with you inwardly. And so, Lord, help us to be mature and help to mature us as we share in the sufferings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and all who agreed said, amen. Why don't we please stand together? As we close our service, we'll always have some of our deacons come forward, and they um, are just guys that have like passions as you, but they want to pray for you. A lot of times people need that touch. We saw how the leper, Jesus didn't have to touch the leper. Uh, he could have healed him from a distance, uh, you know, but sometimes there's that, that personal contact with another human being, being touched in the sense of being prayed for and shared with. It, it, it can really make a big difference, and so we just make that available to you. So as we begin to sing, uh, come on down, and the guys will pray with you and for you. Maybe you're here today, you're visiting, and you know in your heart that you're not a Christian at all. You've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you your sins to save you from hell and bring you to heaven. These guys would be happy to talk with you about that. We're not here to have you join our church, but just come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, and we can, we can help you with that this morning. And so don't leave this place with any need or any question that is unmet. May God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just the right time to send down his own son As a man to the man of the earth To make right the wrongs To make right the wrongs of a fallen race To heal broken hearts from within To make known the power of his song and to set sinners free from their sin Gracious and priceless Gracious and priceless is He Who would die for His own enemies Would become the curse for the cursed of earth As a sacrifice hung on the tree To make right the wrong to make right the wrongs of a fallen race To heal broken hearts from within To make known the power of His sovereign grace And to set sinners free from their sin To make right the wrongs To make right the wrongs of a fallen race To heal broken from within to make known the power of the sovereign grace and to set sinners free from this set sinners and to set sinners free from this and to set sinners and to set sinners Amen. God bless you today.